Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Driving Wall Show. We're having a bit of a panic pre-thing because no hat. I mean, what are we going to do here? Um, so uh, here's an old, oh, doesn't quite fit. All black one um, that um, uh, that uh, um, the other Steve um, gave me. But um, how are you doing there? What do you think my, my, my all black hat? Oh, uh, I mean, I, my, I've got mine. Like I'm prepared. Clearly, mine doesn't go. Mine doesn't leave the desk beside me. So I'm always prepared. I'm always ready. I mean, it just doesn't look the same. It's very dusty on the other side. I'm not sure I want to put the dusty side down on my head. But um, <laughs> there we go. Oh, goodness. You can see it looks grey on that side. That's because of dust. Oh, and then it's actually black on that side. That's the colour it should be. Um, so that, that's branding there, advertising. There you go, sponsorship. There we go. Well, sponsorship for the All Blacks. Yeah, not sponsorship for me. Um, make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, dream on. Dream on. Okay, sorry, folks, we're an hour late um, because um, basically I was uh, taking my daughters back to their uh, um, to their mum who has them during the week and um, uh, end of a long weekend and uh, two people two people decided to basically. From all, all, plenty of Aucklanders have uh, left Auckland and uh, driven down to Tauranga and into the Coromandel, and they're all heading home. And so through the gorge and then to Pyra, got a small roundabout, and that roundabout therefore meant that was a <laughs> meant that it was uh, an extra half hour of people just oh, queuing up to get around the roundabout, get through the roundabout. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so fun and games. Um, but um, Steve, how did your uh, how did your live streams go this weekend? Uh, good and cracking as always. Um, oh, how do we describe them? Interesting, um, right? I think especially Sunday. I think Saturday uh, was a bit, um, as you'd expect, you know, business as usual. Uh, not too many nerves. Uh, pretty much, yeah. People were pretty chill. People were pretty expectant, and you know, as as they thought it was going to go. But Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday was emotional, man. <laughs> <laughs> people, people really are getting upset and they're happy. Then they're sad, they're angry. Yeah, it was a, it was a roller coaster of emotions, I tell you, for viewers. But um, yeah, no, good interest uh, around the globe. Eh? It's good to see. And um, yeah, a few disappointed fans, I think, after Sunday morning. And um, let's be honest, um, 
a, a, a much easier weekend for you because there wasn't a three-hour gap between games. Yes, well, that's true. Yeah, it was one game and done for the day, wasn't it? Which is nice. Uh, good to see. But yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's all I've found about the whole World Cup, especially when it's gone to these busy parts. I think I said it last time we're on this here. It's just, people are so, uh, so quick to, to throw their own team under the bus. And it's like that meme. I don't know if you've seen that meme with like Ireland's World Cup cycle and England's World Cup cycle here, you know, unexpectedly makes the next round. Fans get excited. It's coming home. They get kicked out in the semifinals. Round and round in circles it goes. Uh, that's exactly the sort of emotions that you get throughout the whole uh, match really, it, it's like, oh no, we're going to get smoked. Then, oh my goodness, we're winning at half time, and then, oh, it's all doom and gloom. It's like the ref's fault, it's always the ref's fault, you know, it's just a circle of emotion, which is quite fun, <laughs> right? Let's be very clear, folks, it was not the ref's fault, put bluntly, right? Not on this show, it was, it was not, no. it was not the ref's fault. The ref, Ben O'Keefe had a good game. Let's be, uh, let, let, let's. Oh, hey, come on. He, he, he was inconsistent, consistently and con, consistently average for both sides. I mean, you think of just a number of bad things, but not like one sided. It was just didn't see them right. But, um, you know, like uh, like sure, lot, look, he, the guy's running around a pitch. Yeah, um, he doesn't have uh, sixteen cameras like we do, and uh, and replays and slow mos and all this kind of stuff. He's got to watch it. He's got to see it live. Um, so funny enough, he's not going to see things, and that's fine. That's all. Well, oh, that should be fine. Um, so yes, yeah, I agree. Referring is a waste of time. But what I found really interesting in the second game, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, the, the one try that was scored, woohoo! There was a try of excitement. Um, a lot of English <laughs> um, about the fact of that tackle on Snyman. Uh, no, on Faree just before the try, getting back up again, and it's like I watched it live. I watched the post match and all that stuff. And yet I've never seen a reverse angle replay actually showing, you know, the, the side where you'd actually see him tackled. Because from the far angle, you see the tackler is in the way. And then obviously the guy's all standing around. You, you don't actually see an angle. And I still haven't. And I've looked it up on YouTube and stuff like that. An angle to actually see reverse side, whether he was actually held in a tackle or not. And of course, English fans up in arms. It was held. How do you get back up again? It's a terrible call. Um, but. <laughs> How, how can you? I can't find a. I cannot find an angle that distinctively says yes or no is held or not. So how can anyone comment? I mean, I've said to people, if you find one, show me it. Send it in Discord. DM me on Twitter. I don't know something. Show me because then you know, then we can agree. Okay, he made a bad call or he didn't. But until someone shows me that, how can you actually make a educated opinion that's not biased towards your side of the argument without actually physically seeing it? In that sort of way, so yeah, I, um, yeah, I thought he missed a few major things, but I don't think it's consistently poor towards one team. Um, I think a glaring one was in a Willems tackled, uh, Willems tackled one of the English players and was over the ball for about, gee, you could almost count six or eight seconds, and then got penalised for sealing off. And it's just like he was his hands around the ball, but again, it was on the sideline. O'Keefe was on the other side. It was on near ruck. He he, he couldn't see his bodies everywhere. So. Yeah, it's understandable, and it's you can't see everything, but I don't think it was one-sided. No, no, no I think um, Mero told you got away with tackling a player when he was lying on the floor. If you're yeah, lying on yes, the floor, yes. you're out of the game, right? Um, you can't. That was uh, pretty blatant too. That was <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, oh, yellow card. Here we go. Um, <laughs> cynical play, mm. playing on the ground, done. Just like, how many times done. was Colby and uh, I don't know, taken out in the air? Players tripped, falling over. I mean, two years ago, we probably would have seen four yellow cards in that game. I reckon. Oh, rubbish. They're all challenging for balls. I don't, let me, <laughs> I, if, look, if we weren't playing against um, a, a, 
against, against, against basically um, two Kylie Minogue's on the wings um, and they could actually get up and had, had someone tall enough, then maybe you'd have a point. But these guys are... Oh, Anyway, we will get into the game later, um, but uh, because um, because yes, I think uh, uh, thoroughly outcoached is going to be my uh, my call um, on uh, oh, yeah. uh, for, 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 for 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 that one. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we kicked off the um, weekend. Now, um, I didn't. I'd, I kind of watched a little bit of this live, and then went uh, then had a market to go to, um, and went to the market, and then came back and watched it all afterwards. Oh, that's all right. Um, with um, so yeah, so I have I've I've actually seen both games this weekend, which is uh, um, so there we go. I, I don't think it's a spoiler alert. I don't, I mean, I'm going to put up margins um, because we talked last week about them being the best weekend, the best ever, and the closest ever um, uh, quarterfinals. Um, and I said, look, what we'll do is we'll keep track of how uh, how close the semifinals are compared to um, to, to previous years. Uh, I think as uh, as has been sort of mentioned. Um, the 38-point margin was the second largest um, uh, winning margin in a quarterfinals. Um, it would also have been, um, if we look, uh, sorry, the semifinals. If we look at the quarterfinals, the largest, of a, largest of a margin there has been 49 points back uh, um, in 2015, uh, which was uh, New Zealand over France. So it would also have been the second ever, uh, the second biggest quarterfinal one. Because as you're going to hear from me, I think we had quarterfinals this weekend, not semifinals. Um, <laughs> later on, um, the two semifinals were South Africa. Um, versus France and um, New Zealand versus Ireland. They were the semi-finals and decided who was going to make it to the final. Um, and uh, these were so um, an average of uh, of uh, nineteen and a half points. Put it. These are the second ever, second largest margins ever. But let's be honest, that's down to one game, not the other one. Um, really, here um, with this one is that was as close as it can be uh, without going to overtime. Um, so um, so yes, yeah, so, so not as crazy uh, and as blown out. Um, as um, uh, as as uh, on, uh, I must say, um, uh, Chris Jones, yeah, England were so unlucky. Uh, well, well, we'll discuss that one later. Is Eddie Jones still the coach of Australia as he moves to Japan? We'll talk about that later in the news section. Um, Robbie, damn, is that a new haircut or do you usually wear a hat? I can't <laughs> tell. Well, yes, I do normally wear a hat, and yes, it is a relatively new haircut. Um, um, arguably my worst haircut I've ever had and um, because this bit here he gets wrong and just flops the wrong way it looks like I've got like a comb over going the wrong way it's horrible so um, yes sorry about the haircut but I have lost my hat it's, it's a disaster um, but I do agree that's probably the most important thing to talk about in this entire show other than the rugby who cares um, anyway um, so uh, I was expecting I, mean, I, I went uh, for those Patreons on here would have seen my predictions um, over on page, over on uh, uh, patreon.com for such NZ sport radio i had new zealand by 20 and south africa by 15 uh, so i was expecting kind of a 30 uh a 35 margin in total in the end we got a 39 margin so pretty close to that um just not split the way i was expecting it to um but um on to the uh the uh, new zealand argentina game then um and this was as you say pretty calm during your uh, uh during your live stream because Basically, New Zealand took control of this early on, and this this was this was this was always going to be the result we ended up with. There was no there was nowhere there was no sort of suspense in this one, really, was there? I think this was a game where the the way it played out, and obviously the victor, and and how it went around, rotated around how Argentina was going to play. I, I said all the week building up to this, the first five, 10, 15 minutes of this game, you're going to know not only probably who was going to win was 
pretty much 90% chance for I've going that way. But but how they're going to win, whether it's going to be a good close battle type, like arm wrestle, you know, um, punchy game, or whether it was just going to be a bit of a blowout. Uh, we found out pretty quick. I mean, there's tries pretty flea frying all, all the way through. I mean, Jordan scored in the 11th minute, Jordy Barrett scored in the 16th. Um, and all the Argentinians had was a Buffalli penalty, penalty to match that. So uh, they start off pretty well, the All Blacks. Uh, they got rid of any sort of hope and what do you call it? The, you know, the 16th man of the crowd getting involved and the the passion of the Argentinians got blown out pretty early. So all that sort of possibility and and what the Pumas needed to go their way to get off that good start and get themselves fired up and into the match kind of died out pretty early, um, which is a bit of a shame because I, I, you know, all the New Zealanders are like, oh, I'll just hope we smoke them and get through the final. We don't have to worry too much about it. But I, I kind of want to see a good game. I think Argentina is a really fun team to watch when they get a bit of confidence and they get a bit of passion about themselves. They become exciting. They become a bit more physical. That flair comes out to play at their backs, but just, just didn't really see it. I think they kind of played a little bit too narrow for my liking. They didn't have enough trust in their backs. If I was going to be critical of the, the Argentinians. And also when they got in the attacking areas, your stats probably going to disagree with me. But when they're in the 22, they just went straight to the forwards. And they'll pick and goes one, maybe two passes at most, but it was all crash up. Uh, if it wins the back line, Chocolates just went, no, oh, I've got this. You know, he played a, a really good, um, I'm the only man in the back line sort of role and just plowed straight into anyone. And I, I just think they had so much X factor. Like Mateo Canedas has been one of the best players at just scoring tries, just not even needing opportunities, just with his pace and explosive uh, power, he can make things happen. I don't think they utilized enough when they're attacking. When they're in their own half, around that 10-meter, 10-meter line, he got the ball a little bit and actually did make inroads, but I think close to the line, didn't use them enough, didn't trust the backs, just plowed the forwards. And the All Blacks defense, you, you could see too when they were defending near the goal line, the wingers were out there all by themselves because the All Blacks defense just narrowed in, you know, covering out wide, bringing that cone sort of shape, around their defense, just just keeping the Pumas close. And now I'm happy to play close, thinking that they're going to dominate that part of the game. So, unfortunately, didn't get the spectacle. All Blacks calmly took control and didn't need to really, I don't think, reach third gear. Lucky if they got out of second, really. They just kind of canted home. And and um, Will Jordan should be um, suitably upset, I feel, as well. He should be. Will, um, Richie Moanga will be buying the beers this weekend, I think. Why, what, what, sorry, why, why think Will Jordan's upset? Oh, well, 2 on one over. We don't pass the ball to a guy to score his fourth try and his record-breaking try for the oh, most uh, no. tries in a Rugby World Cup history. Why, Wait. Richie? Why? Why? Eight think run... of my fantasy team, Richie. Thank you. <laughs> Eight runs for Will Jordan, three of them going over and scoring tries, um, even if there were only two steps, some of them. Um, yes. The uh, yeah. Um, yeah, three clean breaks which is more than any other player. Actually, no, sorry. Um, Carreras also got uh, three clean breaks. Um, but uh, that was with Mateo 12 carries. Mateo or Santiago? To... Sorry? Which one? Which Carreras? Um, Mateo, Mateo Carreras. Oh, I was some, right, got, see? Damn it. Got three clean breaks um, off uh, but yeah, off 12 runs, um, whereas Jordan did it off eight runs. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yes. Uh, most metres games was Talia. Actually, I thought Talia coming back from... Um, his uh, well, wasn't really a suspension, was it? It was because uh, that's that would uh, that wasn't judiciary judiciary um, sorted. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so it's uh, uh, so he he came back inside. He had a good game because um, mm -hmm. I, I I thought uh, I was a bit thought it was a bit harsh and less fine. I've not been I've not uh, been uh, every time I'm kind of thinking Soleil is not as good as he is. Um, he goes and proves me wrong and um, and has a uh, cracking game. 
Um, 14 defenders beaten. So 14 missed tackles on him this game. Um, and to me, that's really where uh, it didn't really matter what Argentina did with the ball going forwards. If you're going to miss 51 tackles in a game, you're going to lose. You can score as many points as you like. <laughs> you're going to let in an awful lot more. Um, the, uh, the the fact that so yeah we had um, 11 clean breaks by New Zealand and they only scored seven tries um, is uh, is to, to a certain degree uh, this one could have got bigger and worse I think um, but um, the uh, look the the set pieces held together which is good um, but as I say Argentina uh, if you're going to miss 51 tackles you're going to get 17 turnovers compared to just eight um, this was one at the breakdown. Um, and we can talk all we like about the backs and Richard Mwanga, um break and uh, and Moxley miss um, dodging players and um, and uh, gone black and um, Jordan scoring tries. But at the end of the day, it was at the breakdown. This one it was one. I think we can pretty much pretty which was uh, the same case against Ireland as well. It shows you that those back that that that, um, uh, that your, your Sam Canes, Ardy Surveyors, um, etc., um, really are at the top of their game. Um, and that is where, um, to my mind, uh, this this, uh, this this All Blacks All Blacks team has uh, has clicked. Ali um, Surveyor, nineteen tackles, non missed. Sam Kane, fourteen tackles, non missed. Frizzell, seventeen tackles, three missed. Um, again, front row as well. Group, fifteen tackles, non missed. Cody Taylor, eleven tackles, non missed. Lomax, seven tackles, one missed. I mean, that uh, that pack um, and uh, that and the breakdown is where. Uh, this game was won, I say, same, same as Ireland, and it will be again next weekend, I think. Um, the uh, discipline, obviously, um, picked up a yellow card um, for um, for Scott Barrett. Uh, look, you can't lie on the ground and tap the ball up. The it's a stupid, stupid one. With all these cameras, it's going to get caught. Um, so, those, so, yeah, to me, it was actually that whilst Will Jordan got three tries and stuff, um, it, to me, it was the... Uh, it was those actually Sam Kane's early surveyors um, and that front row that were men of the match um, for me. Um, and yeah, if you're not going to tackle, then Argentina, sorry, you're going to lose big at the end of the day. Who um, get me out of that match? Oh God, I'm not sure. But Will Jordan, I, I would presume. Normally, it says on the on the page who actually gets me out of the match at the top, but this one it, it does not say. Just to completely ruin my day, I'm pretty sure it was Will Jordan though. You'd expect it to be, wouldn't you? Um, yes. With three tries, um, but um, uh, but yeah. Um, oh yeah, an interesting one. Um, to uh, to to the the yellow card comes to an end, and you say, "Nana, we're just going to play with fourteen players." I mean, it's a little bit of arrogance there. Kind of finishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we don't need all our players. Boys, all of you come off. Give 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 them the last five minutes on their own. Um, <laughs> that was a bit of a. Um, so yeah, uh, protecting Scott Barrett from picking up a second yellow and getting banned from the last. From the last um, oh, that, that's, why else are you doing it? You're not. I mean, it's it's not a fitness thing for the last few games. It, it's, it's got um, they they it, it had to have been that they just didn't want Scott Barrett picking up a second yellow and getting banned for mm-hmm. and getting um, suspended for the final. Uh, which I think is probably also a reason why perhaps um, Dane Coles wasn't selected for this game at all, um, <laughs> as well. Uh, don't want him getting suspended for the. Um, uh, for the final, unless unless you can uh, come up with uh, another reason, I mean, you're not implying that Dan Coles is a 
is a niggly sort of player, are you? You know, not Dan Coles of all it's people. Disgusting no, grub. Oh, not well, him. Goodness. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful player. Don't get me wrong, but disgusting grub is his style of play. Yeah, no, no, a massive sarcasm on my part on that. Um, you know, yeah, uh, that's about the only reasonable explanation you could you could really put to the end of it, isn't it? Don't bring him back on. Yeah, doesn't have to go out. No risk. I mean, they haven't looked like scoring a try all night. They 15 minutes of only 14 men, they still don't look like scoring a try. Uh, so, yeah, why wouldn't you? It's not worth even, it, is it? And even if they did score two or three tries, who cares? It mean, doesn't matter. Why they even played on? I mean, look, guys, the game's over. What have the All Blacks got to gain when it's 80 minutes? Oh, we've got the ball in their half. We can score another try. No, just kick the bloody thing off and don't uh, get injured. Don't pick up a yellow card. Um, it's easier to idiot. play when you've got the ball than without the ball, let's be honest. Everyone wants to run into a tackle rather than getting tackled. No, that's, that's what you want to do. So, but after 80 minutes, just get just kick the ball off. Oh, at the, yes, at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did go on for a wee bit at the end, didn't it? Uh, I was kind of still eating off that of Will Jordan fourth try to, to beat the record there at the end. That's what I was going, come on. And Richie kicks it out. So, uh, loser. <laughs> you've just uh, done Will Jordan dirty twice. Well, so Will Jordan is now the um, top try scorer of the um, the tournament and is equal top try scorer of any tournament ever, um, which is um, which is impressive. So one more try in the um, in the final, and Will Jordan goes down as yeah the one of the best players of all time um, via try scoring in a World Cup at the very least. Um, so um, well done to him. The uh, people behind him, Damon Penno on six tries. Well, he's not getting any more. Um, Henry Henry Arundel on five tries in one game. Um, he doesn't. He's not allowed another. He's not allowed another game. Apparently, That's one more game. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, Bundyaki, who's obviously gone home. Darcy Graham has gone home, and Lewis Fitzgerald has gone home. And then two of the players who again also aren't first choice players, Lester Fainuku and David McKenzie, are uh, are in, on five tries as well. So uh, the um, so, so yeah, I can't see them catching up with Will Jordan as then as well. Leicester won't be in the final twenty-three, um, and um, Dane McKenzie will get twenty to thirty minutes anyway. Uh, so, unless South Africa really fall apart, um, I can't see Dane McKenzie picking up four tries um, to uh, to become top try scorer of the tournament. Um, let's uh, let's be honest. So, yeah, Will Jordan has um, has got that one all wrapped up. Um, as he says, that's not what he's there for. That's not the purpose. Um, but. Um, well, that's not well. It is what he's there for. His role of the team, but that's not his target. His target isn't to score tries for for record's sake. His target is to score tries to win games. And it's about winning the games that matter. Um, and that, but they always say that. I think he played every game except for Namibia too. Just looking quickly back, he played Uruguay. Um, yes. He obviously played France. So I think he played. He wasn't in the Namibia game. So you know, you, you look at like a lot of those names you said, Darrandells, the Leicesters, and. Um, Darcy Graham, of course, went nuts against Romania. I think he scored five tries in that game as well. Best triple captain pick in fantasy I've ever had. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of those no-name guys. They just had a blast-out game against the lowest minnow, right? Um, but you look at Damien Pinot, Will Jordan, especially those two guys have played against the best teams. Yeah, they are your number one first-choice yeah. winger. They've not had... Okay, Pinot, I think Pinot moment was one game throughout as well. But overall... They've been the best choice, first choice guys. And so it's good to see them at the top. It, it's a bit budget if you see, you know, um, a guy that plays against Romania and, um, I don't know, Tonga or something and, and smokes out five tries against one or four against the other. And then he's like, well, the best try scorer in the tournament uh, without actually putting on the, the big games at the end. So it's, it's, 
I think it's a, a fair representation in the end of those top two. Uh, Damien Pinot was actually my pick. So, you know, if he, if he actually got to the final, uh, we could have still been happy, <laughs> but alas. Hey, look, I mean, Damien Pinot, I'm... I'm uh, would I think would get into quite a lot of people's world fifteen? Oh yeah, um, on, on, on on the wing. Uh, yes, Henry Arundel, Arundel would not. Um, so yes, no. if he if he if he'd been top try scorer for the tournament of one or two games, it would have been as you say a bit of a mockery of the um, of the award. Uh, in all honesty, um, on, on on that one. So if only England played attacking rugby, he could be the top try scorer. You know, against more than just Romania. No, no he, Romania. No. If he was even he selected, he's, he's played one game. He hasn't even been selected for any other games. That's what I mean. I was yeah, Chile, wasn't it? It was Chile. He Chile, yeah, but you've got to select him first. doesn't matter what style they play in. Um, <laughs> clearly, they. I mean, we'll get on to that, but clearly they play a kick and defend game. I mean, we'll get on to that. But yes, I mean, if they played how they played against Chile and like actually wanted to run, Arundel could have easily done it from two games. I mean, he could have played Chile and then he could have played against Japan or Samoa. He could have easily grabbed two tries in each of those games. Bang, he's yep. got nine. Could have been. Um, could have, yeah, could have gone down as the uh, the, the highest try scorer of, of, of any World Cup better than John Olomu or games. Brian Habana in three games. Three games. <laughs> anyway, Legendary. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the other game, second game. Now, um, as you say, if England actually bothered attacking. England did not bother attacking in this game or spinning the ball past basically um, uh, Farrell um, until they were until they were behind uh, and losing. They weren't behind and losing until five minutes left of the game or three minutes left of the game. Um, so, because, uh, yeah, the last try yeah, was on um, uh, 78 minutes, wasn't it? Um, the penalty. Okay. So, England had three, yeah, two minutes left of the game was the first time that England actually spun the ball wide and tried running it. Before then, they played literally the definition of 10-man rugby. Um, and it was, um, and it, as, as far as 10-man rugby goes, it was beautifully executed. Um, to be, but let's, let's, let's be honest here. Um, the, um, they gave you the blueprint as to how you beat South Africa. You have a solid set piece. You look over and see that they've got two five-foot wingers. So you kick to them. Um, I, I mentioned during it during during the, the um, uh, during the game in our in our in our group chat that um, that I think Colby had, had no runs at the time uh, and hadn't hadn't touched hadn't had basically hadn't touched the ball uh, and that um, I've gone blank as the other guy on the other wing uh, had, had had one had, had one run and uh, and, um, and the, the response from John our South African friend was but the, the English wingers haven't run it either so well no but they've not been selected to hold on to the ball and run it they've been selected to chase. And knock the ball back, not even catch it. They're not even expected to hold on to the ball. All they're expected to do is to run forward, tap it back for someone else. And that's their entire role in the in the entire game. If they make a tackle or two, that'd be nice. But if they don't, we don't really care. Their job is to chase after kicks and knock it back, um, and that's it. That, 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 that's, that, that's 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 all they've had to practice all week. And funny enough, they did it well. And if you've only got to practice that all week, you should do it well. If, you, if you're trying to practice more stuff, then obviously um, it takes a bit more effort. But just running forwards and jumping in the air and tapping back, hell, um, that's a game plan you can teach in a week. As long as you've got a decent someone who can kick. And as I think we all know, one of the things that Farrell can do is he can tactically kick. Um, he can also shoulder barge people, but that's not that's that's a secondary skill. Um, as a primary skill, the guy can kick and the guy can pass. Um, he didn't, we didn't actually see him pass in this game, I don't think, maybe twice. Mm. Um, but um, 
this uh, and, and and they showed you that basically South Africa they've got short wingers and let's be honest, um, Vilumsa their fullback is a makeshift um, or is, is is a is a ball playing fullback who is normally a fly half. He's not a Freddie Stewart um, who we've brought in to replace. He's, he's the Marcus Smith for um, for South Africa. England brought in um, Freddie Stewart, who is and so they basically said, look. We've got our guy at the back here. His job is to catch balls, and he's tall. That's all you want him to do, and I'll occasionally kick. Um, but we'll leave Farrell doing most of the kicking. I mean, that, that was a sign there that those were not going to play rugby at all. Um, give you an idea as to kind of how little rugby was played in this. Argentina versus New Zealand. Argentina ran the ball 153 times. New Zealand ran it 168 times. England versus South Africa. New Zealand ran the ball more than both, more than both teams combined. England, 83 runs. South Africa, 69 runs. I mean, South Africa didn't play any rugby in this game mm. at all. They weren't allowed to, and they didn't bother. They, they, they tried to run up the middle. England defended well. Um, they didn't do a, a, a sprint, they didn't do an Argentina. They missed 15 tackles, which um, at uh, 86%. Um, the Springboks missed 14. Um, the at uh, which at eight nine percent, which is actually high for them. Normally they miss more than that because they they um, but England just didn't bother running at them. They just kicked it instead. Mm. Um, and uh, it was and and, and Razi was out coached for ninety minutes of this game, bluntly, basically. You know, I'll even go one further and an argument against you and say it was a nine man rugby played played to almost perfection because Alex Mitchell kicked. Almost fifty percent more than Farrell. He made seventeen kicks as opposed to twelve, so it's, it was almost fifty percent. But it, it hardly made it past the ruck. Really, it, every ruck was a box kick, or if it really got out outside of that, yeah, it was kicked from Farrell. So it was it was a game of um, just constant high ball drive back, really, just going up. And I, th- this game kind of had a little bit of air about it of Twickenham in the game of South Africa versus the All Blacks there, because South Africa kicked so tactically well there, the All Blacks spent most of their time just trying to get out of their half. Whereas that's what South Africa was trying to do with their kicking, was trying to get out of their half, because clearly you don't want to play inside your own half. So they're trying to get out. When they did get in the English half, they, they tried to play a bit more, but the English defence rushed so hard at them that they barely got it past, you know, Delendi at, at 12 to, to get it through past their wingers after that. So defensively, um, perfectly executed. This is a game plan of a team that knows exactly how they want to play, right? They know what their strengths are, and this is England I'm talking about. They know they had a good back row, they had an adequate type five, um, good enough to win set piece, very good in the second row, good at the lineouts. They disrupted the uh, uh, South Africans' lineout. They actually turned a few of them over. They won the ball there, and they just put the pressure on. And knew that if they were in the right half, and the mistake come their way. They could either execute the drop goal or the penalties. And, and that's that's really the game plan, was just to make sure you get the ball, put the other team down there and kick. And when you've got players that are good at that, like you say, Mitchell, I think, has been pretty up and down throughout this tournament. That, that was his best game by far. He kicked well. Uh, he got the ball out really well. And he, he did his job as you know as good as you could have hoped he did. His kicks a bar maybe one or two wayward ones that went into touch on the full generally were contestable. Um, they had good heights, they had the perfect sort of distance on them, and really, it's South Africa just couldn't get out of the web. They were, they were stuck, they were sucked in, uh, they were stuck playing the England game, and they just couldn't get out of it until a little bit of fortuitous luck at the end to get into an attacking area with a couple of penalties. So, this, this was just about England uh, getting in the right places. 
No, I won't call it fortuitous luck to be fair to them, but anyway, but we'll just just to, to get their territory. It was two penalties in a row. I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't yeah. get that any other time of the game, whatever. Yeah, but as soon as it hit, soon, yeah, well, it came down to scrum time, but we'll, we'll talk about that in the, the, the end of it. But, um, the uh, um, to give you again, um, two players that um, that really would have to have done an awful lot of work, um, after the game just to make it feel like they played a game. Were, were 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 Marchant and Creel. Jesse Creel, in because you can talk about how it how it barely went past Delende. Jesse Creel, zero passes, zero runs. Right? <laughs> Joe Martin, one no zero passes, one run for six meters. On the defensive side, Joe Marchant, um, one turnover conceded and uh, two tackles made. Jesse Creel, two turnovers conceded. How he did that with no runs and I've got no idea. Um, and um, three tackles, one missed. I mean, they, between them, they made they made five tackles and missed one, uh, and made one run and didn't pass the ball. I mean, they really were. I mean, why? I, I think Martin's run too was in that last, that last 30 seconds too, down the left wing when they're trying everything desperately hard to get within 30 metres of the line. I seem to remember him yeah. getting a touch. We, we rumbled a couple of ways uh, down there. But yeah, that's a crazy stat. But it just shows how that game was played. I mean, to, to talk about this and not not credit England for playing to these strengths, uh, you're doing yourself a, a misjustice because they knew exactly how they wanted to play and they knew exactly how their game plan was going to go and obviously had to be confident that they're going to win it. Their strengths, but also, okay, they, they, a lot of their, their strengths, again, line out, set piece, and, and then off, and then, then some crashing ball. And you're like, mm. well, yeah, but if you try that against South Africa, yeah, it ain't going to work. So... It was they, they avoided some of their own strengths because they knew that would play into South Africa's strengths. It was like, okay, what's South Africa's weakness? How do we exploit that? Oh, yes, we have got tall wingers who we don't care about carrying the ball. Now uh, we're just going to kick it to them. And that was it. Was, it was a bit of strength and weakness and spotting that because it's very similar. Because I mean, South Africa did this against France, but remember in the last game, cross field kicks. But what they did, they put Peter Steph to toy out there, they didn't rely on. Um, <laughs> When, when when they're engineering for their kick, they had the right player out there. They had a tall player out there. They didn't go, oh, you know what? Cheson Colby, he can jump against the opposition. No. Um, so um, so on that, and um, not to us, uh, yeah, England nearly pulled it off, but for a cooked throw uh, for the, and the reserve Springbok props. Now, oh, we haven't even started on the reserves yet. Whoa, that's that's yeah, a whole yeah. other conversation. <laughs> no, England, yeah, their execution for England was was very good for most of the night, but you're right. A, and, and look, South Africa also threw through a few crooked, through crooked, um, through mm-hmm. crooked lineouts as well. Um, so it wasn't uh, so. Um, look, it was wet. It didn't look that wet on the camera, um, but they kept talking about it raining. Um, so so it must mean some 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 wetness there. England, look, normally South Africa have got a great, um, um, have got, have got, have got a really good lineout. Uh, if we look at the stats from their quarterfinal um, against France, for example, he says pulling it up. Come on. Um, they had five lineouts, won them all. So they won seven out of their eight scrums. Coming to this game, uh, nineteen lineouts for them, and they lost four. Um, so England did that, which was which was um, uh, Courtney Laws had a cracking game. And if you, if they won the game, I think Courtney Laws would have been man of the match um, for, for 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 this one. Um, Only on Farrell's there to be man of the match. Sorry, only on Farrell's there to be man of the match. No one else. <laughs> It's regardless of how well they play. <laughs> the all-black captain, um, remember? 
Well, he's the all-back captain. So yeah, they, see, that, that's why the all-backs <laughs> have a chance of winning this weekend. Um, the um, um, so yeah, so that disruption of that. Uh, yeah, and like I say, both England lost three lineouts um, as well. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, that was. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That, 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 was the, that was that. And then, yes, it came down to England started their scrummaging props. And boy, oh boy, could you tell. <laughs> because mm -hmm. when the subs came on, the uh, the English reserve props, uh, I think, they, well, I think, I think, I think England had lost a had actually lost a penalty had had a penalty given away on one of their own, one of their own put-ins, and so hence they changed their props. Going okay, look, our guys are knackered now. Send on the new guys. At which point they went on to lose three scrums on the bounce of their own put-in, um, and uh, South Africa was seven from eight on their put-in. Um, now, whether you agree or disagree with whether scrums should be used as penalty machines or not, um, those are the laws and how it is. Uh, I know people, a lot of people have been complaining about it since then. Um, but yes, England's reserve props just could not scrummage. Um, couldn't hold it, couldn't hold up the scrum. And that's where South Africa won. You have a scrum, penalty, kick, scrum, penalty, kick, boom, done. Um, and um uh, and off they go and um uh, and, uh, and and win the game and and sneak and basically get out of jail. Let's be blunt uh, on that one. They should have won this game comfortably. They are a much better side than England overall, right? England is a much worse side. And this is what LB says now. Um, everyone's praising England for their game. Needs to take back everything negative they said about Springbok's game plan in 2019. No. Springbok's had the players to play a good game plan in 2017. England don't. England are a shit team with a bunch of players who can't play. I mean, um, and on a very short turnaround. Razzi had longer than this with, with, with the Springboks. Um, England put together the only way they could beat South Africa in this game. There's no other way they could have beaten South Africa in this game. Um, uh, and that's why everyone's praising them is the fact that they, with a very limited set of players, I mean, Johnny May used to be quick in a straight line and used to, um, Elliot Daly used to be quick and used to also be able to kick long. I've not seen him do that once in this, in this tournament, I don't think. Um, those guys are well past their prime. Uh, this this England team is not is not the is nowhere near man for man the level of the uh, Springboks twenty nineteen team was. Um, summed up, I mean, summed it up pretty much. <laughs> Gone through about three different points. I was going to yeah. go back to the um, the reserves. Uh, I, I, I see someone 
I did mention Oxenshay in there, uh, Nocturnal saying, yeah, no, Oxenshay completely changed the scrum. Um, whether it was his input along with the substitutes from England as well, but he definitely turned it completely around. Um, his work coming off the bench was just outstanding. Him and Vincent Kosh, but I mean, Ox was the one getting all the plaudits for that one. But it, I think RG Snyman scored the try, obviously fantastic, but he changed that line out. There was a lot of throws going wayward for for the Springboks until Snyman came on and he he changed that lineup. So you've got now props who are winning scrums. You've got a lock who's winning the lineups or wherever they played him because let's be honest, their second and back row pretty much interchangeable in those sort of positions. And then you had Quagga Smith who was just a diabolical pain in the butt for any team against him when it comes to the breakdown. Uh, criticize him legal, illegal, whatever you want to do. It doesn't really matter. But the fact is he gets in there, he makes a mess of it. And he gets away with what he does, and he changes the breakdown. So you've straight away gone to winning your scrums, winning your line out, and you're getting faster ball at your breakdown. Um, is there more three more important things to win a rugby game? Winning your set piece and getting quick ball out of your breakdown, or just recycling your own ball out of a breakdown? Um, yeah, that changed massively changed the game uh, for the Springboks uh, going through those later stages. And, and you tell all those key stats that you mentioned um, all turned around after those last couple of minutes. Uh, so that changed it massively. But yeah, talking with England about how the only way they can win, we knew going into this that they weren't going to be outpacing, you know, uh, Elliot Daly wasn't going to be smoking down past Chesson Colby and Curly Odinson down the wing, was he? Neither was Johnny May. And we knew that was never going to happen. Yeah, and careful, you know that, you, you're going to make me spit beer all over my, my computer <laughs> and destroy it. You know that deal into your krill, Tulangi Marchant, all they do is just run into each other like brick walls. So you've actually got four guys in midfield who don't like to pass it and like to run straight. Eh, Creole, okay, he did a little fancy kick in that quarterfinal. But let's be honest, he likes just running and charging into people. So you've got four midfielders who go, Pfft. you've got two slow wingers uh, that love a high ball, two little short wingers who are quick and rapid but don't get enough ball. I think what we're not talking enough about in this game is the weather. And that, I think, was a good 60% massive boost towards England, huge boost towards England because they could play that style of game even better because not only did it shut down the Springboks' ability to play their more expansive style that they probably would have liked to play, you know, it gives you that doubt about your handing, it just does makes you 50-50 going that long pass, it just makes you play a little bit tighter. What did England want to do? They wanted to play tighter, they wanted to play those high balls and they wanted to play that style of game. So I think the weather... If it was a nice sunny day, I would have liked to see how that game would have gone, how it would have played out if it was the same, how well that game plan would have worked. And we'll be talking about it the same. But play the conditions, right? They got those conditions. I think it helped them. I think it put a bit more pressure on the, the Springbok game plan. Uh, but, I mean, end of the day, overall, what an outstanding game. I mean, I was literally nervous watching that game because it was so close and exciting. And I didn't care who won. <laughs> I had absolutely no affiliation to either side about wanting to win or lose. It was just so tight and tense and such a knife edge too. It's not like, oh, they need to score a try or, you know, they need to do... Uh, literally, a, a snap moment could change that game with a kick or a drop goal. And, and even at the end, with that two minutes left after that uh, penalty from Andre Pollard, George Ford came on um, and he come on for Johnny May and you knew straight away, it's like, well, they're just going to bulldoze it up if they can get the kicker to the... 10 meter line in the Springboks half. One of those two. Watch them pivot, center field, left side, right side. It's going to be tough to try and charge both of those or put pressure on both of those options. Um, and they, you know, the game plan was straight away for them, but they just, again, 
the Springboks, not only all those other set pieces and some of that change, their defense was a lot more desperate. That was really desperate defense. They were up. They were up and they were swinging arms. They were like flinging at legs. They were just doing whatever they could to not only, not just make tackles, but just disrupt the, the flow and the mem- momentum of, of their play. So you guys were tripping, sliding all over the place. England were never really getting over the game line through carrying not, the ball anyway. So through so the they whole didn't game. carry the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no, it's the, um, but yeah, no, the desperation. But <laughs> I mean, one of the things, LB, is, yeah, how the ball out, though, I've never seen a hooker throw the opposite, throw, throws the opposition nine from a line out. Yeah, I mean, there's crooked throws and then there's just, well, what the hell happened there? Um, the, um, uh, the, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, it looks like uh, Bully Football must be at an end. A couple of bad errors and his conditioning's not great. Yeah, and that's exactly why I'm afraid your other point, not throwing rights, of England has got better than this World Cup has gone on. True. There is a base to build about a team with a couple of changes in the back line. No, there isn't, because half this team is retiring after this probably World Cup. So this was their last their last chance. I mean, players like Courtney Laws, uh, I mean, Farrell's got to be at the end of the line now. Um, the, the props, I mean, um, George has got to be... I mean, yeah, there's so many players in this team. Uh, obviously, um, Elliot Daly and uh, May, they're not making it to the probably World Cup. I mean, half this team um, is is retiring after, um, after this one. Um, George is 33. The um, LB, yeah, he's not, yeah, I mean, he's not made the Rebel World Cup at 37. Um, LB, England has the most talent out of any union. No, England have the most professional players out of any union. That doesn't mean they're talented. Okay. It's not about having that. So, so, yes, I agree. They've got more players to pick from, but if they're all shit, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, and the actual players they've got here, uh, I don't know if there are other players. I don't follow the, the Premiership closely enough anymore um, to tell you if there are other players they could have picked. But yeah, no, sorry, that's um, that's not the, the South African squad is much more talented than the England squad. Um, Fafcourt's knocked on in the quarterfinal and semi-final to finish the games. Yeah, interesting that um, about whether yeah is is Faf really the kind of player? Is he really a bench player? I think a lot of people think he's actually a starter and doesn't actually do that well when he comes off the bench. Um, but um, but look, let's be honest, he is perhaps the. Um, the most annoying defensive um, scrum half in world rugby. Um, I used to actually kind of enjoy his clapping and stuff, but that's become, it's become just too much. And nowadays I just, it just, it just winds me up now um, uh, on, um, on, on, on that one. Um, England of average age was 28. Well, compared to 30 South Africa. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. South Africa are also, this is their, this is kind of a last chance saloon for all of their players as well. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure about, uh, England uh, being in, um, in in that good a place, to be honest. Um, the um, If England win the third place playoff and New Zealand win the World Cup, they will have the best record of any team in the last two World Cups. Yeah, true. Um, only three losses in the last three World Cups. Yeah, but the, let's be honest, the draw helped them out this time. <laughs> let's be let's let's be honest about that um, with this one. And you do have to. I, that, that was one of my kind of thoughts: was Are England the best semi final team in world rugby, having beaten? Um, Beaten New Zealand uh, when they shouldn't have done last World World Cup, come very close to this Rugby World Cup. Are, are they that team that, that that can peak for semi-finals like no other team in world rugby? Um, well, because, I mean, they get to them at least, don't they? Well, that's true. Ireland, <coughs> sorry, um, <laughs> that was that was low. Hey, look, we talk, talk about England and and their age and and the future of the side. I I, I don't disagree too hugely because I think they've got a, a good core. I think the front row is certainly one area that may be of question, but uh, I know George Martin was a comment just at the end there. He, he looks like he's going to be a fantastic talent for them. Mm-hmm. But the combination of Tom Curry and Ben Earl, and, and predominantly Ben Earl, 
I think is a guy that's going to pack down yep. at the back of that pack for a lot. He's fantastic now, and he, he sits at just 25 years old. He's probably got at least one more. If he's a really late bloomer, he could go with two World Cups as well at the end. Um, so, yeah, they've got good options through key areas. If you look through a good back row, a good second row option, and you got that young band Port Vale as well was another one. Um, who was supposed to be at this World Cup, got injured coming into it as well. You got Freddie Stewart's only 22 years of age. Now he's played a number of test matches, 30 caps for the, for the England already. So I think in, in key spots, you've got guys who have got experience. But let's be honest, and, and I follow up 22. briefly. 22 and 30 caps. Bloody hell. Freddie Stewart. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight tries as well, which pff, I'm surprised he remembers what they are. <laughs> uh, but hey, aside from that, let's be honest, Premiership has a lot of quality players. And, and I've seen... Uh, just through the Discord and, and doing the streams that there's a lot of upset English fans. I don't know how many uh, come through here, but there's a lot, especially backs. There's a lot of exciting, pacey, skillful backs in the Premiership and in the URC for that matter, but especially Premiership for England um, that just English fans just wish they could have got. I think this team could have been a lot better going forward, especially when you look at the attacking style they could play. But of course, those sort of players don't fit into it. As we've seen with, with the South Africa, when they get drawn into that, those excitement players kind of go by the wayward side. So I, I can kind of see the plan. I think England's probably had this idea from the start to go off this. I mean, we saw it in game one against Argentina, didn't we? They, they, they packed down. They took, you know, George Ford scored all their points and they weren't comfortably. And I knew this game was going to be a replica of that too, because that's just how, when important games come along, they wear back to that tactic. But future-wise, um, we'll see, you know, who's going to be obviously coaching the team, uh, whether Borthwick's going to be through the next four years with the side as well, and whether this young, exciting talent that comes through through the premiership. Um, a number of guys there could have certainly been at this World Cup. But, yeah, there's a core. There's a core there, right? And there's a lot of guys that could, I think, make a difference. Um, yeah, going through the side. You see, how old is Alex Mitchell? He's had a, a good little nudge in the tournament as well, and he's only 26. So, I mean, Scrum halves, a couple of good young ones there, a good fullback, good back row. Um, they're not they're not a terrible place, but they're going to lose a lot of experience. So the next four years is going to be hugely important to get the next, I think, especially that front row. They need to nail down a good six, eight, ten props, hookers, you know, front row combinations uh, and look towards the next four years for those sort of guys. But yeah, I, I, I can't argue that there's talent there. I think there's a lot of talent throughout the premiership. They've just got to pick the guys, the right guys, and do what the All Blacks do. We see it here, you know. How many guys have gone on and played one or two tests or even just gone into training camps and they just had not had that, what they're looking for, you know. They played one and then they're gone. And they were like, wow, they're really good at Super Rugby. Why are we not seeing them anymore? You know, Sean Stevenson, <laughs> guys like that. Um, how many outside backs, you know, just don't get to that next sort of step? Um, Peter Gusso, Coolers, you know, all those sorts of names. They just, you know, you've you just got to go out there and you've got to throw these guys at this level and say, do you have the goods, you know? Are you going to be that sort of guy in the next two years, three years, four years? Um, guys that are in their mid-20s and look to build up from there and, and build around that core of Ben Earl. Just Ben Earl, man. Just, just look <laughs> after Ben Earl. He, at all the World Cup, if I was making my best 15, which I guess we'll probably do at the end of the World Cup, give me my he's my number eight straight away. I'd argue where you like. I mean, I'd find very few people. Uh, he's at eight, Law's at six. Don't, don't give me another Englishman, though. That's it. <laughs> now, when you look at this, you've got you look, um, you're, you're Jamie George, Dane Cole, Ellis Gange, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Joe Marler um, uh, are, all, are all off. But you got, you say, you're, you're quite right. You've got your, your, your players 
you've got that Ben Oll, 25, Tom Curry, 25, Lewis Ludlam or Sam Underhill, both 27. Um, so you've got, you've got your core of your back row um, in uh, in there. Yeah, love them. Uh, love them. good. Yeah. Um, the, um, in that, uh, in, in, in the locks, again, Ollie Chesson is, is only 23. Mm. Um, George Martin, 22. Courtney Laws, uh, obviously 34, he'll be gone. But um, Atoji, still, 20, still 28. He'll be around in four years' time. So, yep. um, to be, so yes, there are, there, 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 I, I agree, there, there are there just, just those, that front row is all disappearing. Um, you're going to lose obviously Ben Youngs and Danny Kerr as well out of the out of the scrum halves. Um, you know, um, you've, obviously Farrell won't be there as well. So Marcus Smith has got to come through. The Elliot Daly's, um, Manu Tuolangi. I mean, geez, he's only 32, which surprises me. It, it feels like we've been we've been trying to build a team around Manu Tuolangi, and I hope he'll get fit for 20 years now. Um, the fact that he has become fit in his in his sort of early 30s is a thing that's scary. How can he not be fit in his mid 20s? I mean, geez, isn't it? Especially the way round. But anyway, Theo Dan's another option. Hooker, he, he's been in around there, starting twenty-three for a while. Probably hasn't got the opportunities, but twenty-two yep. years of age. Another one. Ginge is only twenty-eight. He's probably got another World Cup on him if he wants to uh, stay fit for that. So, yeah, I think the core is there. Uh, you just got to get the right person to make the right calls and and develop around them. Yeah, you, know, you don't you don't just have to build a starting fifteen. You got to build a thirty-man squad, right? I think you got to have forty-player options, fifty-player options that you can pick from and say. I like what I saw from these guys and those guys. These fellas, yeah, just stay, stay there. And we'll, if, if things get real bad, we know what we could get from you. So, Chris, in your opinion, which North Hemisphere team did the best? Well, clearly England, right? Um, coming into this, uh, it, it was a question mark whether England actually making out their group. And the fact that they've made it up to the third, fourth playoff um, shows you that, look, compared to expectation, they've done the best out of any team. Um, there was an expectation... Now, does that mean they're the best best Northern Hemisphere team here? No. Scotland, Ireland, um, France, all better than England. Um, uh, better better teams. But um, that's not what, who did the best. Well, Scotland didn't do the best um, because they didn't make it out the, um, uh, out the group stages. Uh, Ireland and France, look, the expectation was they were going to be, they, they were looking at winning this thing. So you've got to say they didn't do the best. Um, because versus expectation are they better teams in England absolutely but that's different that's a very different question to who's who's done the best because uh, I, I can put that compared to what you expect of them actually arguably Portugal are the best northern hemisphere team yes I literally had to google with the Portugal's in the northern hemisphere I even googled as Uruguay and, and as Chile as well because I thought they were quite fun but well, I was going to heck with the no, Portugal you're, 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 Uruguay and Chile are South, South American. They teams. are, yes. yes. But it was my call. It was Portugal. I was going to say the no, best sorry. Was Portugal. Ah, <laughs> oh, even even had to Google just to make sure that I'll... I just I just <laughs> saved myself in time there. Actually, with the Portugal one. <laughs> oh, Portugal will be fun. They'll be my favourite team. I I agree with you though. It's expectation um, and and squad depth, right? If you if you swap the place of of France and Ireland with with England. Um, and Wales, uh, you're going to have very different four teams in the last in the semi-finals of the competition, aren't you? So, and potentially uh, the final as well. And potentially the final as well, yeah. yeah. Um, Ireland would have made a semi-final, you know. France would have been in that mix as well. And again, you look at this, and how would have that game, South Africa and France, gone in the rain? You know, they, they had a little bit of drizzle in their game, but it wasn't anywhere near as, as messy as it was in this game uh, yesterday. So, that could have been very different. Ireland versus the All Blacks in the rain. You know, if those conditions are different as well. It could have been a very, very different sort of game. So it comes down to a lot of factors. Uh, playing in a semi-final versus a quarter-final, preparing for 
all this all this time for these sort of instances. But uh, best performing, I think, take expectation away or, or final position out of it. Um, geez, Ireland still look like the team. They still look like the best performance team, I think, in the tournament. France looked good, but they just, they looked like, they, they had moments and they looked like they had a bit more vulnerability about them. Um, but just the performance it took from the All Blacks to beat them was so much higher, right, than we've seen in the last couple of years. Whereas for Ireland, they've been playing at that sort of level for, for years. So whereas Ireland comes soaring in at this high level, it took the All Blacks to go from here to actually just nip past them at, at a, a three-year best performance in a one-off game by the All Blacks. So I'd say Ireland was still, out of any performance, I think they're the best consistently performing team, not only at the World Cup, but last two to three years. Yeah, the problem for them is how do you replace Sexton? Um, you know, also we'll see going forward. Um, the uh, Christopher Bay, if South Africa wins the Sea Cleese, become the World Cup player of all time. Um Wow, I mean that's uh, that, that, that's a big call. He will be the first cap, or second captain to, to lift the cup twice after um, after Richie. Um, well, what so, about um, Sam Whitelock become that because he's the first player to get three finals and to win three World Cups? If they were definitely win. the first, definitely the first for three finals though. Um, yeah, wow, and, of course, and yeah, he missed that one. He could have done four. Um, <laughs> Damn you, England. Maybe not best player, but the biggest <laughs> World Cup superstar. Um, I think it's hard to look past Loma as being the, world, the biggest World Cup superstar. Um, in the fact that he transcended rugby and was known by people outside of rugby um, on that one. So, uh, yeah, no, I disagree on that one. Um, there, um, we probably should look forward to the final. Um, I will be doing my uh, predictions over on Patreon.com for this end of the sport radio. So look out for those. Um, I will warn you, I have not been the best picker um, during this tournament. By a by, by by quite a long shot, um, but I will do that. Um, also, after the Rugby World Cup final uh, over on Patreon, there will also be my grades for all the teams um, as to how they did versus expectation um, on on that one. Uh, Chris, I think Khaleesi is as big as Lomu. Uh, outside of rugby, I don't know um, whether he is or not within rugby. Sure, but out, I'm not sure about outside of rugby. Um, the um, you're looking at a different perspective too. I do agree on that. Like from this part of the world, Lomu is, you know, but from an African perspective, I, I think Khaleesi would be as much of an idol, but it's your perspective, global perspective. Do you think if you look at rugby as a global sport, can you go, can you go to USA and can you go to someone in Los Angeles and they do you know John Lomu? Do you know see Khaleesi? And they'll go, what now I'm talking about, man? You know, uh, they would have no idea. They know All Blacks and that's about it. So I guess the brand of the team probably does a little bit of favour for, for Lomu as well. But yeah, I think if you go to different parts in the world, uh, you'll get different answers on on who was the most. Yeah, I was thinking about the States as well. Yeah, because um, uh, predictions for the semi-final, for the um, third place, uh, I guess say, uh, they'll be over on Patreon. So look out for that over on patreon.com. But let's look forward to the uh, final then um, conflict between the All Blacks and South Africa. To my mind, I think the All Blacks go in as favourites to this, even though they did lose um, to uh, South Africa pre-Rugby World Cup because of, uh, of how they they seem to have reached a new level um, than where they were then. Um, at the moment, to me, they are if they get front football, if you give them front football, they are the most uh, clinical uh, attacking team in world rugby. The way you have to stop them is stop them getting front football. Because um, they get it, you're, 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 you're toast. Um, so I think the the battle is going to be that breakdown 
Uh, and, and that to me is where this game is going to be won and won and lost. Um, LB Allback's heavy favourites. Ah, really? I mean, making them heavy favourites um, after a record defeat um, to um, the Springboks um, uh, pre Rugby World Cup, um, where the Springboks beat New Zealand seven to thirty-five. Um, I, I heavy favourites is perhaps a little bit over the top. Your your views, Steve? Yeah, well, like I said last week, it's like I completely do anything from pre the you know, France All Blacks at the start of the World Cup, I'm completely off the list. It might as well, it may as well have happened in 2012, uh, for all I care about it. That has no bearing on this whatsoever. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd go heavy favorites. I've seen that the TAB, they are considerable favorites, um, not much over a dollar to about three dollars something, if I'm not mistaken, uh, earlier today, but considerable favorites. It's not really that close, but performance wise. I think the All Blacks have shown they have a, an incredibly high level of performance that they can go to. Again, the question is, I'd said this last week, can they go there again? We didn't see it against Argentina, didn't need to see it against Argentina. So I think they'll keep that in their back pocket, um, especially from that semi-final. If they didn't need to pull out, you know, all that incredible sort of breakdown plan, some of that, they they wouldn't. Um, but can you deliver that again? And what's the weather going to be like? I'll keep going back to the weather. I think it's going to be a massive factor in how these teams play as well. I hope we get a good, sunny, nice evening because I think both sides could, could put on a spectacle. That'll be great for the game. You know, your, your marquee, big, grand final performance. If we've got tries, if we've got a, you know, a 30-odd each scoreline uh, decided by less than a try, you know, that's what we want. Publicity for the game, right? Make it good and exciting. Uh, that's what I hope we get. But yeah, I think All Blacks have been favourites. I think you know a bit, a bit of spot. They had a little bit less of a toil of a, of a semi-final, so they should be a little bit more rested. Um, and both sides know what they're coming up against. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of All Blacks versus Ireland tape watching. I think there'll be a lot of um, France Springboks, <laughs> England Springbok tape watching. Uh, I think the All Blacks have got probably a little bit more data to go through over the next week. But uh, come match day, it's going to be down to execution. You know, we talked about those lack of handing errors, those key moments. All of those things are being decided um, by that throughout these really, really close games. And you talk about key moments for that England game as well. The substitution of Lubbock after half an hour for Andre Pollard. Again, tactical nous, you know, and, and ability to make those changes on the fly for the South Africans, I think, have has definitely added for their depth, you know, and their capabilities and knowledge to know when a game's not going the way for a player that they can switch their whole game around with a change or two uh, in that side. And they're not afraid to do it very early on in the matchup, uh, which we've seen them do as well. But hopefully it's dry, hopefully it's clean, um, and we get to see some attacking rugby. Uh, but yeah, defence, execution of the breakdown, and uh, just keeping winning your own ball. And uh, discipline, uh, so key things. Winning that forward battle is going to be massive. I think your black front row has stood up over the last six weeks of this World Cup as well. They're becoming, from the area we were worried about at the start of the World Cup, now they are, I think, an area we can almost have confidence they're going to uh, stand up and, and deliver uh, on the big stage game. So just 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 give me a good close game um, so we can all have a heart attack on Sunday morning. Yeah, we do want to have a... I mean, yeah, that, that, that's the big thing. One of the things to talk about, say, that, that's uh, the, the, um, the, England, um, the England game. Uh, versus Africa, we said, yeah, it was a cracking watch, but it's not when you're going to go back and watch, right? It wasn't a great yeah. game to play. <laughs> it was great to watch live because it was close mm -hmm. and tense. Uh, as far as skill set, and will you go back and watch it again? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but um, so that's what we want. We want a close, tense game. 
Um, now, whether it's when we go back and watch again, I don't really care, to be honest with you. We just want one that's tense, um, that we can actually watch um, from, um, that the people will, will, will watch. And it's good for um, uh, good for that. Uh, any news on the weather for the game? So quick Googling right. of the, um, the old weather. Um, it says um, uh, showers on Saturday uh, look dying down after about six o'clock. So I think with the kickoff uh, 9 p.m. Um, CEST. God knows what CEST is nowadays. Anyway, um, I'm not sure what local time is, but I'm guessing it's uh, yeah, it's it's it will. I think it'll be wet before the game, but possibly not. But uh, probably possibly slightly not so wet during um, the uh, the game on that one. Um, the uh, Moisa Bass says that uh, he reckons there's going to be yellow cards on Saturday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see Wayne Barnes. Um, see a card. So yeah, Wayne Barnes um, on that one. So let's, I'm just trying to think when which um, games has Wayne Barnes. So he did Ireland, New Zealand. Um, was there a yellow card in that one? I can't remember now. Um, I don't think so. It was red card. Wasn't it? Oh, yellow was it? Yellow card for. Um, Aaron Smith, not that. Oh, the, yeah, they're not the um, knock on the uh, intentional yeah, yeah, knock um, on. Yeah, Aaron Smith yeah. and Cody Taylor both picked up yellow cards in that game. So yes, so Wayne Barnes does have uh, previous of yellow carding um, New Zealand players. So don't worry from a South African point of view um, on um, on that one. Um, um, but yes, I do think it will. I think we'll have we will have some rain. Um, I'm also threatening to join uh, Steve's um, live stream um, for the final. As well, if you'll have me on, so uh, so maybe join us during the game um, on uh, on the old what, where, where, where can we where can we find YouTube and uh, Twitch? Yep, both of them. Yep. So there we go. Um, so yeah, so I'm threatening to join him for uh, for, for the for the live stream of that. Um, so do join us during the um, uh, during the game. Um, I won't be I won't be I won't be part of his live stream for Argentina versus England because I've got a market to go to where I sell my wooden horse stables. Um, you know, toy stables and stuff. Um, so check out here play if you've got any small kids um, that enjoy playing with uh, with animals and uh, farm buildings. Um, on that one, uh, any other final points? I guess because because we, we are we have run over time. What a surprise! What a shock! Um, <laughs> not not too much. Um, I'm, okay, uh, well, what we haven't talked about is, is the third fourth place game, right? Uh, Argentina and England. I, I spoke about this on uh, Sunday morning. I think this is going to be a game that England don't want to play, and Argentina will be quite happy to play. I mean, it's going to be quite a bit of a factor for this game. Um, obviously, Argentina will be disappointed, but for Argentina, a third-place finish over a fourth-place finish actually means something for them, I feel like. Like, it's a, it's a step up, you know? It's like they'll be boom proud of that third place. I think they'll go out. Team selection, I don't know what Chick is going to do. He can be a bit erratic at times, but I think in terms of the passion from the players, I think we're going to see a bit more desire from Argentina to win England. I don't think we'll give two craps about the result of this game. I think they will mix and change oh. just about everything. What, what Does it matter? They've lost. They've lost a semi-final. Uh, Farrell won't want to play. Um, Ford will play. Uh, Tactically-wise, I don't know if they'll change too much, but I think personnel-wise, you may see you know, a few of those old fellas go out for their final little trot, uh, but I think you'll say, see a, a definite change in uh, their desire to win. Uh, I don't think we'll be as strong, and I don't think their personnel will be as strong as the semi-final. Whereas I do hope the Pumas go out there and throw everything. Full team, first team, give Kribi the send-off, man. Give Augustine the big one up, third place fight in his last game. A number of their players are retiring as well. It's a similar boat for all these sort of teams. 
a number of big guys are going to be leaving. Uh, but what a way to go, like for a legend in the game. You think Argentinian legends, you know, Contopomis, Pichos, Augustine Clevis, right up there with the best of them. Um, so, yeah, for him and for the Argentinians, I think this third place will mean a lot more for them um, than it will for England. England's sort of team to me that will take their bronze medal and they'll take it off straight away. Whereas Argentina, they'll literally cable tie it to their shirts and not take it off for a month. They'll be at the pubs in France down there with their bronze medals on. That, that's just a feeling you get from the team, you know, the passion and, and their belief and just their desire to win the game. So that that's kind of why I'll, I'll be um back in the uh, Pumas to, to pick up the victory on the Saturday morning, that one. Yeah, on Saturday morning. Um, So England have made it to the semi-finals five times before. Four times they made it to the final. Once they've been the third, fourth playoff. This is, this is only the second time wow. they've been in this situation. Yeah. And they lost to France in 1995, 19 um, for in, in in that one. Whereas Argentina uh, never made it to the final, but uh, so every time they make it to the semi-finals, they end up in the third, fourth playoff. Um, back in 2007, they beat France 34-10, um, and then two World Cups ago, 2015, they lost to um, South Africa 24-13. So they're on a run now of every other World Cup, they end up in the bronze final, uh, which is uh, just not a bad, uh, not a bad place, um, place to be. The um, on uh, on that one, yes, and it's likely to rain um, on uh, on that one. So um, look uh, again, I, one that I can see being a a, a a tense close affair, but one I don't think will be on replay um, for, uh, for for on, on the quality of rugby side of things. Um, let's be honest; these two teams should have bowed out at the quarterfinal stage. They shouldn't really be here um, at this stage. But hey, um, you uh, you just got to play the rules and. Uh, and the, the, the teams that play up that turn up against you, you don't you don't get to control that. Someone else does. Um, so uh, no. Uh, um, so yeah. So so, so fine. They're, obviously, they they're going to do their best to get there. Um, I I think this actually be quite a big thing for England after be after being written off so much pre rugby World Cup. I think actually they'll be a bit more up for this. Um, but I could be um, could be wrong. As you say, I do think this means a lot to Argentina um, and uh, for for them. To uh, I mean, it's how they got into the rugby championship, right? Beating France back in um, back in two thousand and seven in France. Um, they're back in France again. Can they? Um, there'll be a bunch of guys here whose heroes were in that game, um, who they kind of dreamed playing with, who dreamed to be on the stage, uh, who see those guys as the guys who uh, laid the platform for where they are now, and they're that and the opportunities they've got now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, as you say, want to. Uh, do this one in honour of those heroes back in 2007. Um, so, yes, Argentina will definitely be up for this one. Whether England will, a bit more questionable, but I think they will be to a certain degree. They clearly were up last weekend. Um, but we've seen back four years ago, they could get up for a, South, for a New Zealand game, but then found it very difficult to get themselves back up for the finals. So um, we'll see on that one. And that is also going to be one of the question marks around the box. Three tough games in three weekends. New Zealand had a kind of, I won't say an off week, but had a, an easier week in between the, the quarterfinal and the final. So um, that piece there. Do join. Um, <laughs> where's the belief, Paul? Says Chris over there. I just said, I think they'll go for it, but I, say, I, I can see why Argentina will be up for it and why that means so much to them. Um, do join uh, Cornflake for his live streams of the two games. So whack it on one screen, whack him on the other screen um, and uh, get in the live chat. Um, with him around the two um, around the two finals this coming weekend. As I say, um, I'm going to try and uh, nudge my way into the uh, final final one on uh, on Sunday 
Um, and who knows, you might uh, catch um, us both on some URC or some uh, um, Premiership or some Super Rugby live streams as well. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Have a great, um, stay safe, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me, um, Steve. And uh, good night all.